Psalm 121. I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray for a moment. Heavenly Father, please help me in preaching and help all of us in listening. Thank you that you are our keeper. Thank you that you brought us here. Thank you that it is good to be here with one another. And please, may it be your word that's spoken for your great name's sake. Amen. Well, it is really, really good to be with you this morning. Kickstarting prayer, kickstarting your prayers with the three words help and thank you. I don't know of many Christians who are satisfied or proud or happy with their times of prayer. I wonder if you've noticed that few Christians are anxious to speak about their prayer life. Tell me about your prayer life. And many of us look down at our shoes. Few want to give many details. So this morning, the sermon today is aimed to help us in our prayers. And if we are rather lifeless and prayerless, Psalm 121, here's a psalm that will help quick start prayer. Read this very familiar psalm and you will find it's actually God himself doing the quick starting, which is even better than you or I doing it. God reveals here his tremendous, this tremendous truth that he himself is our helper and he himself is our keeper. Is that how you think of God this morning? I hope you will by the end of the sermon. When you come to church on Sunday, you ought to hear about God. It ought to be a sermon about God, really. And because the Bible is about God, when the Bible is taught, God makes himself known. His voice is heard. He reveals himself. So while this sermon is about prayer, really it's about God who makes the prayer help and thank you possible. A sermon about God is always encouraging. If you come to church and you hear about God, you should always leave encouraged. Whereas a sermon about a Christian discipline like prayer, possibly, or even Bible reading, may be discouraging. We may leave church thinking, really, we don't measure up to those standards. We could never be a Christian like my friend over there. When you come to church, you want and you need to be encouraged in your walk with Christ to continue, to con continue joyfully and happily 
and thankfully that you are a Christian. Well, as we read Psalm 121, help and keeper are the two words that jump out of the psalm. They're repeated over and over again. Here, the offer of God's help and the promise of God's keeping, and we find ourselves praying. Help, only you, Lord, can provide the help I really need. And we pray, thank you. Thank you for being the most amazing keeper of my life in, in the face of all the uncertainties of life. Thank you for holding me fast. That's a, a new hymn I've learned at another church in Maine. Hold me fast. I rather like it, but uh, I didn't, didn't uh, ask for it in time this morning. Well, that's how the sermon's going to go. I recently retired, as Bernard said, from preaching every Sunday, and I've had the new experience of sitting and listening and being on the receiving end of sermons. I've come to have a new appreciation for sermons that are crystal clear. And while this is a sermon about prayer, it's a sermon from a well-known psalm to encourage you in your prayers by focusing on the revelation of God before us, that he is our help and keeper. So first, help. Psalm 121 is a great encouragement. It's even greater than you might think. It could be a favorite, but there's even more to it than we all know. The psalmist asks himself a question. Where does my help come from? From where does my help come? Actually, the Bible is full of questions. Romans 8.33 is very well known. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? So tribulation or distress or danger or sword? The questions asked in the Bible are good ones. They're good ones for us to ask over and over again. They're here in the Bible so that we think as Christians and consider the answers. And actually a good way to meet with God is not only immediately reading his word, but considering some of these questions raised by the Bible, thinking about them. Well, here's the question before us this morning. Verse 1b, where does my help come from? Think about that question for a while. Where does my help come from? And the answer is given. My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. So questions you might be asking this morning, I don't know you well, so these, these may not hit be you at all, but um, maybe for me coming in from Connecticut. When will I feel safe in the city again? I think you all feel very safe. What am I doing here in the city at all? Why is God so kind to me? Why is God so good to me, so full of mercy? Why don't I have more friends? With all my friends and specialists and advisors and parents, where does my help really come from? The psalm answers, my help comes from the Lord. And with this truth revealed in Scripture, that ultimately our help comes from the Lord, we have here the first word to get prayers going. Help. Help me, Lord, today to follow you. Help me to be joyful. Help me not to be overcome by my problems and worries. When you pray, first think and consider where real help comes from. Many of us love spending times in the hills and the mountains, 
Susie and I actually are fortunate to be able to spend some time every year on an island in the middle of Penobscot Bay in Maine. And we look across the bay to the Camden Hills, and the hills are the southernmost part of North America, where the hills and the mountains meet the sea. The hills go straight into the sea. South of Camden, the coast is flat. I enjoy looking at these hills every day, but it's not the sound of music sort of thing. I go to the hills for the sound of music. With Psalm 121 in my head, I enjoy the hills even more. Being a city dweller, when you think of the hills, the mountains, you might have the impulse to take the week off or at least the weekend to take refuge in them. Like David, Psalm 11, he had the impulse, quote, to flee like a bird to the mountains. But the psalmist knows something better. Verse 2, notice how this verse leaps beyond the hills to the universe, beyond the universe to its maker, to the Lord who made heaven and earth. The Word of God wants us to know these two things when we lift up our eyes to the hills. One, the Lord is the maker. He made heaven and earth. And also, two, that this Lord who made heaven and earth is living help. The Lord is living help, described in verses 3 to 8 as primary personal, wise, and immeasurable. The living help of the Lord is described as primary. The Lord came before all others. He made heaven and earth. He doesn't live in the hills as the false gods and idols were believed to live. No, he made the hills. The living Lord, his living help, is also personal. Verse 3, The Lord will not let your foot be moved, and his help is wise. The Lord will keep you, verse 7, from all evil, and the Lord's help is immeasurable. Verse 8, the Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. Verse 6, the Lord shall not strike you by day, or the moon by night. God's protection is complete over the known and unknown perils of day and night. God's protection, we're described here, is immeasurable. It's without end. It's forever and ever. The Lord is living help, described here as primary. He comes before all things, the existence of heaven and earth. My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. This is the truth that runs from Genesis to Revelation. The Lord, capital L, he is one God among many other gods who are believed to live in the hills. No, he is the Lord, the creator. He made them. The Apostles' Creed, which we've just said, starts right away. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. The apostles didn't want us to ever forget God the Creator. They have a high doctrine of creation, which actually we Christians can lose if we only focus on Christ the Redeemer. It's important to have a high doctrine of creation. It points to the power of God to be the loving Redeemer and to save us from our sins. 
God the Creator runs all the way through Scripture. Psalm 95. We sing it as the Venite. Come before Him and extol Him. Why? In His hands are the depths of the earth and the mountain peaks belong to Him. Help for tomorrow. Help for this week. Where will you find it? The psalmist, the Word of God tells us, look at those amazing hills. My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. Isn't it interesting when the psalmist considers the Lord, when he thinks about the Lord who made heaven and earth, he speaks immediately of help. He sees the Lord as someone who is the source of needed help. And so a thoughtful prayer in response to this truth about God is the prayer, help, help me, Lord, help, help, help me, Lord. And yet, is this how you and I pray? Here's a prayer that Christian can pray from the heart every day and throughout every day. Here is a prayer life you can share with others. What's your prayer life like? Well, I pray, help me, Lord, throughout the day. And a friend might say, is that all to your prayers? And you can say, no, but that's a great way to start. It's humble. I am weak. I need so much help. It's realistic. Real help comes from the Lord. He's able to give help because he is the maker of heaven and earth. There's no better help than help that comes from the Lord. So how to get your prayer life going? We'll start with the word help. Oh Lord, maker of heaven and earth, please help me. Many of us, isn't it true, have a hard time saying the word help, especially possibly men. We have a hard time, as, even as Christians, saying, I was wrong. Christians of all people, we can't admit we're wrong. And perhaps that's why we don't readily use the word help. And yet this side of the grave, this side of glory, isn't it true? We meet one difficulty after another. Jesus said, in this life you'll have tribulation. And the tribulation comes relationships, health, employment, housing, insurance, friends, family. As you consider these challenges during the day and when they amplify as they do during the night and look darker and more hopeless, do some thinking. Ask, where does my help come from? Where am I going to look for help? Will I ever even speak the word help? Well, not will I ever speak the word help, but to whom shall I speak it? And the answer of Scripture is, speak it to the Lord. My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. In the middle of the night, pray, help me, Lord, with this worry. And then rest in the Lord and sleep. So lift your eyes to the Lord, not for exercise only, not for some alone time only, not only for a great change from the city, but as a reminder where real help can be found. Real help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. These are anxious times. We hear the words every day, perhaps we speak them ourselves, I am so stressed. The heart of the Christian believer, the heart that's been made right with God through the cross and the work of the Holy Spirit, 
the heart that's warmed by Christian fellowship as we are today and warmed by teaching, warmed by teaching in the church on Sunday. Of course, our heart feels all the stresses of life. And yet, if you're a Christian, your heart can speak with quiet confidence. My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. Pray, help, and stress levels do go down for the believer who prays. Of course, it's not just that your stress levels will go down. Help will be provided. Your help prayers answered actually where you live, exactly where you live, because this living help is personal. The Lord will not let your foot be moved. He knows where your foot is, how close to danger it is. The help promised here is personal. He won't let your foot be moved. Living in the city, have the H word, help, on the tip of your tongues. Lord, help me with this meeting. Help me to get there on time. Help me to know what it means to be a good friend in this kind of situation. Help me be a more patient father and husband. Help me to be a good witness to my friend who's lost. Help me to have the courage to speak of Christ if an opportunity comes up. It seems so natural and logical to pray help, and yet many of us simply don't get around to it. And we remain prayerless. I'm not completely sure why. Perhaps it's because we don't want our prayers to be only a list of requests. In a prayer group, we want to ask the Lord for help. We're just bursting to ask for help. But everyone else seems to be praising God. We fear our friends might judge us but where is the praise in your prayer where is even the confession I wonder if some of you and I hope you do know this acronym about prayer acts it's a guide really to to fill your prayers out so you just don't get stuck in one rut acts adoration confession thanksgiving and supplication well, like some other advice that we Christians give each other, Acts, this guide for prayer, as well as some Bible reading plans, the standard may be just a wee bit too high for us. And before long, we fall off of prayer altogether and Bible reading as well. Okay, there is adoration in Psalm 121. Lord, you made heaven and earth. But then be sure to ask, Prayer is about asking God for help. It's not about what we often say in prayer. Lord, I lift up my friend or I just ask. No, just ask. Be bold. Ask. Psalm 121 reminds us, don't forget the S and T of Acts, adoration, confession, supplication, and thanksgiving. The supplications... That's the asking for help. And thanksgiving, we will get to in a moment. Prayer is not telling God all the painful details of someone's life or all the difficult details of a situation they face or we face, as if God really needs to be brought up to date from yesterday. God knows all that already. Prayer is asking, please help George today. Lord, you know his situation. 
Help them become a Christian. Help them to trust in Christ. Help them to follow Christ. Help them to know Christ. Help them to grow in Christ. I wonder if you are possibly not completely convinced and still feeling it's just too selfish, it's too me-centered, too presumptuous to pray, help me, Lord. And if that is true, to further convince you that that is not true, look at the uh, Luke passage, Luke 11, in the program that Betsy read earlier, and I have to add, rather dramatically. I want you to be assured that the Word of God, by the Word of God, that it's okay to ask. And more than okay, really, it's being obedient to ask. So here is Jesus giving a big, big lesson on prayer. It's, it's, it's obviously about that because we're told the disciples go to Jesus, they ask him, teach us to pray. And what does he say? How does he in instruct the disciples after giving them the Lord's Prayer? What follows is all about asking. Start asking. That's the big, big lesson that they needed to, to know. This is lesson number one. Verse 13, How much more will the Heavenly Father give to those who ask Him? Jesus, I, I think you may know this passage. He's teaching by contrast. He tells us that God is not like a begrudging friend. He's not a reluctant father. You don't need to be, even be persistent in prayer. This is kind of unusual. We don't have to keep asking him over and over again. He's not like the friend who's asleep, who wakes up, gets out of bed, and goes down to the door rather reluctantly, only to give help because of someone's imprudence. Verse 8. No, God is completely different, Jesus is teaching us. Psalm 121 tells us he doesn't slumber or sleep. God the Father is different. So ask, seek, knock. That's what drives our prayer life, is knowing that God is different from us, knowing his graciousness, his goodness, knowing that he knows how to give good gifts, and he has the power to answer. He's the creator. He's the maker of heaven and earth. And so, ask for help. Really, the thrust of Luke 11, the thrust of what Jesus teaches here about prayer, is ask. God says, ask, I am willing to answer. Verse 9 and 10, I tell you, ask, and it will be given you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. And the one who seeks, finds. And the one who knocks, it will be open. Hear that instruction of Jesus. I tell you, ask. And then read Psalm 121 and we learn what we're to ask for. We're to ask for help. My help comes from the Lord. Pray, help. And the living help on offer, the help that is promised here, is described in one practical example in verses 3 to eight. The example of help is summed up in verse 7. He will keep your life. God's help is personal. It's your life. It's not the world. It's not peace on earth. It's personal. He'll keep your life. And our response is thank you. 
Pray thank you for your help keeping my life. And here we also see that God's help is wise, as if God looks at us, he looks at me, and he can see our very biggest need for his help. And what is our biggest need? What is your biggest need as you sit here in church with Christian friends? Well, it's where he offers to help. He will keep your life. Our biggest need is being kept by God in his family, in the family of God, in this fallen and corrupt world where we're called to live our faith and follow Jesus. He will keep our life throughout this life into glory. (coughs) If you're a Christian, in the wisdom of God, that is your biggest need. That's where the help of God will be focused. It's not that you're an especially weak person. It's not that you're especially prone to sin and you're one of the biggest sinners around. No, really, it, it's because you're normal. We've all just sung that wonderful hymn, Come Thou Font of Every Blessing. And I didn't notice anybody holding back at verse 3 as if that's not me. I'm, I'm not going to sing those words. Prone to wander... Lord, I feel it. No, that's not me. I'm not going to sing that. Prone to leave the God I love? No, no. How could that be? Of course, there's no holding back because we all are prone to wander as we follow Jesus in this world that's very hostile to Christ. So here in this hymn is our prayer for help. Help me, Lord. I'm prone to wander. I'm prone to leave you. Here's my heart. Take and seal it. Take it, seal it, keep it. Keep me, Lord, as you promise in Psalm 121. The Lord is your keeper. He will keep your life. The Lord promises to keep what we have, which is of most value. That's our life. Our life in Christ. The life that God has granted into our hearts at conversion. We may not be healed from the diseases this side of the grave, but the Lord will preserve our life. As Jesus said, though we die, we shall live. And this promise is further spelled out in verse 7. The Lord will keep you from all evil. So what's the greatest evil that you face in your life? Is to remain in the devil's grip and die. We may be robbed, we may be bashed around. Kept from evil doesn't imply a cushioned life, but rather a well-armed life. No one can take our life. Martin Luther, in his now famous words, written in Almighty Fortress is Our God, the body they may kill, God's truth abideth still. His kingdom is forever. And the Christian will live forever in that kingdom. God's keeping of our life, kept from all evil, doesn't imply, again, a cushioned life, but only a well-armed life. Psalm 23, we expect the dark valley of death. It's coming for all of us, but we can face it. We're well-armed. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou 
art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Luke 21, verses 17 and 18. Here is what God's keeping actually looks like. You'll be hated by all for my name's sake, but not a hair of your head will perish. By your endurance, you will gain life. You will win true life. Lose your life for the Lord and you gain it and God keeps it. And we want to respond to that truth with the words, thank you. The psalm ends with one more picture of God's keeping. It's a pledge which can hardly be stronger or more sweeping. Yes, it's immeasurable. Verse 8, the Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. You're going out and you're coming in, whether it's your apartment, an office, job. All your movements are covered. You are covered for all time as well. Notice from this time forth, that's from now, right now, and forevermore. From this time forth, it starts now and it runs not to the end of life on earth and not to the end of time, but like God, it runs without end forevermore, forever. And our response is, thank you. Thank you for keeping me. Thank you for holding me fast. I don't know of any Christian who looks back at their Christian life to perhaps an earlier career. I'm much older than you, so I can look back over lots of different stages of my life. I don't know of any Christian who really can look back over the year or the month or the week or even a day and not have some feelings of regret. I was such a fool. How could I have ever said that last night? Why did I do, why did I do that? That was a close call. The Lord delivered me. The Lord is my keeper. What an amazing keeper he is. Thank you, Lord. I didn't deserve that rescue. Sometimes, isn't it true, we meet people. It's amazing what people, Christians, say to each other. Uh, and a Christian will tell us that their whole life is a life of prayer. And it's so daunting. We think, gosh, my prayer life will never measure up to that. And yet by responding to the revelation of God here in Psalm 121 with the three words, help and thank you, really, not only is our prayer life kick-started, but having help and thank you in our hearts, on our tongues, leads truly to a life of prayer. Even a life of prayer for you, even a life of prayer for me, you're swimming at the Y, I swim at the Y, that's why that example is here. Or you're waiting in line at a market. In, redeem the time by praying. Help me, Lord, to get over all this worrying me, pushing me down. Help me be thankful for all that went well today. As you wait in line, pray. Help my friend who's in such distress. Go through each member of your family praying, asking for help. And then pray, thank you. Thank you, Lord, 
that you are my keeper, that you will keep my life no matter what comes my way. In the face of all the uncertainties of life, thank you for your immeasurable help. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. A friend asks you, what, what are you thankful for? And if you're like me, your mind goes completely blank. Answer, I thank God that he keeps my life. And your friend might ask, is that all you're thankful for? And you can answer, no, that, that is so huge. There's no greater, more important promise. Help me, Lord, through all the uncertainties of life. And thank you for your promise to hold me fast, to be my keeper. Amen. Let's pray for a moment. We thank you, Lord, that when we open the Bible, it's so deep and so full of truth, understandable. Thank you for speaking to us. And please encourage us in our prayers. May we always be praying, help me and thank you for your keeping. May our prayers keep us close to you. We thank you for all you've taught us this morning about yourself. Grant us now to live for you today, we pray. In Christ's name, amen.